Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International, right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio. I am Ron Kolick, your host, and with me all the way from Wales is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Steve Parsons. Borada ichi. Say what? Same. hello in Welsh. Bohi da hiki. Borada ichi. Yeah, well, ain't happening in my lifetime. <clears throat> okay. So, anyways, uh, what's that? Just trying to be friendly. Yeah. Hello? Hello. Wow. My computer just blew up. What the hell is going on? Anyway. It's the demons. I'm telling you, I believe there are demons in this show. We'll have to get Zach Zach into... um... Oh, we can just sell it to him. He'll put it in his museum. That's it. Eight thousand dollars. You can have my com- your computer for. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so Zach, that's funny. if you're listening, come inside. It's for sale. Okay. So, anyways, um, one night I was just before I went to bed. I just threw on a TV before I fell asleep, of course, and uh, there was this show on uh, the paranormal con on film. Uh, I think it's on a travel channel or something, and they had a different, you know, different little bits from the internet that uh, it's supposed to be paranormal. And I saw this uh, piece they did on, including interviews, on this uh, school in Cork Island. Are you familiar with it? Uh, I'm not actually. I didn't. I I did see your link, but unfortunately, I didn't follow it. I okay. was I was distracted. So, anyways, when I when I first watched this thing on uh, the, the show, whatever show it was, and I looked at it, and yeah, but to be honest with you, it looked pretty cool. It looked like... Uh, oh, you know, yeah, I know the one. Um, yeah, it's taken in a... It's a modern school building, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I know the one. It's been, it's been around for a while, that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you look at it, it looks, you know, pretty convincing. Quite it does look frankly. very convincing. And then uh, I decided to do some more research. I thought maybe I'd have the get someone from the school come on the show or whatever and talk to them a little uh-huh. bit about it. Yep. And I came across this other one that was on here. I can prove that the ghost corn on tape is a hoax. Right. Uh, actually, actually says bullshit. So <laughs> I watched it. And you look at it from his point of view and – it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I, that makes sense, okay. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's a hoax. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking about that, and I, I found that intriguing because if I hadn't seen the hoax one, I still had that thoughts in my mind that perhaps this was real. And But if I had seen this hoax thing first, then I would look at it and say, oh, yeah, this is all a thing. In other words, so I would be judging mm-hmm. from what, I saw previous to the the other one. 
which is why you will, must always, and I've said it from from uh, day zero, that you should always look at all the sides of uh, an argument, of a case, of a presentation, because simply reading the... Say, for example, um, an EVP recorder um, mm-hmm. made by a well-known American EVP recorder manufacturer. Yeah. Um, if you read all of the reviews that they post on their on their um, page, uh-huh. it appears to be a legitimate device for recording the dead. However, if you look at other uh, skeptical like Psychop and some of the other uh, who, or uh, or even my colleague Anne Winsper's review of uh, electronic voice phenomena itself, or even mm-hmm. paracoustics, you will see that in actual fact it may be doing something entirely different. And so there is always two sides to an argument. There's always two. Right. There's always, that's why in a, in a legal situation, we always have uh, the counsel for the prosecution and the counsel for the defense. Mm-hmm. Unless you're the president of the United States, in which case you just delete the, pre- any, the prosecution. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the thing is, it's kind of like listening to EVPs. Then, so whatever yeah. you whatever you hear, whatever you're told to hear, or you mm-hmm. listen to, you hear, and whatever Pretty you're much. told to see, you you see. Pretty much, and and interestingly, the brain works in a very um, uh, unusual way. Well, no, not unusual way. In that, uh, the most re- the first thing that so the first ex- the, the, the way that the brain will work is that so you will see you will watch the video from the from the school and you will be persuaded um, by the evidence and that becomes a set of fixed neural pathways in your brain now when you watch the second uh, explanation if you watch that after you've watched it actually is harder for the explanation uh, to take root and to have an impact because not only does it have to create its own neural pathways, it also has to undo the neural pathways of the first uh, encounter. So it's first come, first served often. So if you are um, someone who uh, sees something or or believes something to be um, paranormal or uh, anomalous, then it, it's much more difficult for someone to offer you an explanation. It doesn't mean to say it's not possible. Right. It just becomes that little bit harder because the pathways have already formed that, that sort of uh, predispose you in, in a particular direction. And, and you have your own belief system, too, which also, would, which also influences it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, with that particular piece of video... Um, which was shot in a school. Uh, I think it was a, actually about a year and a half ago now. Um, it came out close to Halloween, about maybe two years. Um, or the Halloween before last, so 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, it transpired down the line that it was actually a setup uh, by uh, one of the, the school had a video production class. Um, and they created this ghost in the school video footage um, and released it without explanation into the world 
to see what happened. And, of course, people ran with it. Yeah, the the one I posted, okay, this is the, the, call it a hoax. There were 2,800,000 views on that. Yeah. Just just on that, that, which was the hoax. So I I don't have the original one. I'm looking, trying to find it as we speak, actually. Uh, you'd have to go back quite a ways because it it did the rounds of a lot of the British news pre- uh, news um, papers or websites about eighteen months two years ago, and it was some time after that that um, the creators of the video, uh, in fact, there was there was a second video made. Uh, they made a second video um, to sort of demonstrate what they'd done. Um, so, but this week we do have, um, so yeah, before we, we, we leave this, we I okay. just wanted to Looks similar. I found this, uh, channel five news, 24 hours and it is, oh, it's, it's, uh, Arab news. Huh. Interesting. And this is about a year ago mm-hmm. with only 21,000 views. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so ju- I was just looking. Like I guess I was yeah, trying it, to find the original. It's been around a while. It's been around yeah. a while. Um, it, it 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 sort of peaked uh, just around Halloween uh, eighteen months ago. So, um, and then there was all the inevitable brouhaha on social media as people uh, shouted it was real, and other people shouted it was a hoax, and some people said it was Photoshop, and some people said, and. Some some weeks or months later, when the second video surfaced, um, it was actually owned up by the school that, or mem- uh, um, of the video club that was based at the school, that they had had um, a hand in, in its production. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't um, a security camera footage, as they claimed. Yeah. So it was it was a good... Well shot it's, video, so it's this, it's this a very well shot video, and I think that's I think, but you know I think this is the problem with video because we or, or even photography, because this week there was another one that surfaced on YouTube, uh, an investigator in Devon, England, um, mm-hmm. claimed to have proved the existence of ghosts in a graveyard. Um, with another video that I can't, unfortunately, because it's um, uh, a paid commercial newspaper that's that's currently doing it. Um, I can't just post a link up, unfortunately, um, because we've got oh. this. EU, no, we've got this weird EU thing now. We can't look at American websites as easily as we used to be able to. They come up as um, unable to be viewed in your region, and likewise, when we try and link them, um, this like regional block that the really? EU, that the EU have put in well, place. I was just going to say you shouldn't have uh, left out of the EU. So that's what's happening, you know. No, it's while well, we're still in it. Unfortunately, it's re- we, we we might be able to reverse it when we get out of Europe. Um, but this this guy, as you mentioned, two investigators go into a graveyard, a video camera calling out, doing all the usual EVP, and then, bam. Um, claims to, you know, releases the video to the world, claiming to prove uh, this absolutely proves the existence of ghosts. There are two women in the video that you can see peeping from behind a gravestone, and the video is shown in, you know, sort of zoomed in and slowed down and pixelated and <laughs> a matter of other things. And it could be anything. Really? It certainly doesn't look like two women. 
Um, never in a million years would I have, you know, sat down and somebody said, what's this video of? I would never have picked that. I would have picked um, trees, animals, anything except two women with uh, uh, and with their names as well. I love that, especially they can tell you names. I know yeah. that's really I, And it was this, this sort of claim important. that, you know, we have absolutely proved the existence of ghosts. Yeah. And, of course, I mean, the media have done this. Um, you know, we've had the famous, was it Eastern State Pen? Um, with Ghost Hunters, where they had the figure uh, on the landing, which people yeah. still claim as being a full manifestation. There's, of, there's a lot of with the Ghost Hunters and a lot of those TV shows. They're always going to have some of that stuff. Ghost Haunted came, um, in, in the last series, came up with an astonishing full-bodied apparition caught on camera that bore an uncanny resemblance to one of the presenters. Um, <laughs> and I mean uncanny resemblance to one of the presenters. Um, so, I, but the problem is, uh, with, with technology, that should be helping us. Cameras and video uh, should really be, you know, we've, Harry Price said a hundred years ago, nigh on, um, that he wished that he could have cinema cameras that could see in the dark using infrared film um, in the cinema format. And that, now. And well, we've got them, but the problem is, it is now so ridiculously simple to create an anomaly on a photograph. You can literally do it with a smartphone, uh, press the shutter, turn around, and show somebody the screen, and have and have placed an apparition onto it of a boy, girl, cat, dog, man, woman, Julius Caesar, whatever you choose from the from your app. That people have lost all. Uh, credibility have lost all faith in photography um, digital photography instead of it being a tool for the investigator actually we can't put any trust or, or faith in it now as an assistive uh, technology because no, you know 30 40 years ago when we, we you would take a camera with you and you pictures you know you did people did occasionally get anomalous pictures, the Brown Lady of Rainham um, and, and many, many others. Uh, but at least you had the negative that you could prove that you hadn't exactly. demonstrated. Now, you know, it's just a case of, oh, I've got this, I'm going to run to the papers and I'm going to claim my five minutes of fame. And everybody immediately, the knee-jerk reaction is to shout, fake fraud it doesn't matter whether whether it's genuine it doesn't matter whether the photographer right. tampered with or not because there is no trust anymore in photography and video right it is it is a meaningless tool uh, this is why you and i i believe are both uh touting to return to still i mean to film photography Analog photography uh, using sil uh, silver halide film is, yeah, it's still very much a viable uh, and a better investigative tool uh, than digital photography uh, in several ways. Firstly, as I said before, you do have the, the important negative, which you can at least show that there is another step. You, this is the original piece of celluloid upon which the image is captured. Now, yes, we, we recognize that they, they, that can be tampered with as well, but it's more um, obvious when it has been tampered with. And you can show that exact, you know, the, the actual P 
piece of um, plastic upon which the original image is contained. But also, in many cases, unless you're investing a great deal of money in your digital camera, uh, even a simple 35mm Kodak point-and-shoot film camera has got a massive amount uh, more resolution than a digital camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, a 35 millimeter piece of film has around 40 megapixels compared to, and it's on, you know, it's it's on that sort of large piece of plastic that we all used to be familiar with, the negative. Um, you compare that to the sensor in a smartphone or even a modern uh, camera. The thing is minuscule. It might have 11 or 12 or 20 megapixels on it, but they are very, very, very small. And the camera has to use an awful lot of electronic processing and the potential there is electronic noise getting into the system and creating further anomalies. Um, so analog, yeah, it's still very much, a, uh, in many ways, a much better tool for the investigator. Right. And but, you know, the the smartphones do have their value. I mean, for instance, they have they have so many built in senses now that I was uh, uh, watching this documentary where they believe that now our smartphones can want us when a earthquake begins uh, Uh, because of the senses that are involved in it. Well, I did a series of talks a couple of years ago um, about. Smart go- it was at, they were entitled Smart Ghost Hunting, and it was advocating the use. In fact, I did it in America, um, advocating the use of switching a lot of the heavy technology, the big bulky stuff that we carry around, thermometers and sound recorders and digital cameras, uh, video cameras, thermal imaging cameras, because the smartphone and the tablet computer can replace a great deal of those uh, items of equipment. And if you choose the sensors carefully then your smartphone can replace a great deal and it can it can be a huge asset to the investigator right i mean you get such good apps like ghost apps yeah. and ghost radar no and, no 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 uh, no, no, those, no those no, there's, a, there's, ones. A, there's a whole chapter in ghostology called smart ghost hunting which actually looks at and advocates switching for example uh, the the united states geological survey uh, has a network of seismometers all across the usa uh, which re- further and further afield, which record earthquakes and record seismic activity. Now, they then send that data remotely to the USGS, who analyzes, interpret it, and work with it. They have started to replace those um, seismometers and telemetry stations with iPhones. And the reason that they can do that is the iPhone has inside it a motion an accelerometer and a magnetometer two sensors mm-hmm. that are incredibly they are scientifically accurate and they are perfectly capable of being calibrated so they stick this thing they 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 have a mount for the iphone um i think they're currently using iphone fives and sixes but they have a they have a mount for this uh, attached to a steel plate to a uh, a plate which is attached obviously to the ground and the smartphone Uh, records the data to its internal memory and then connects to the cellular data network and transmits the information back to the USGS. Mm -hmm. So with with careful use, 
the smartphone could be the greatest one of the greatest assets that most investigators don't realize that they're carrying. You can plug in very high uh, quality thermometers. You've seen um, I've had one over there uh, whilst I've been there with you. Uh, you've seen the use of very high quality thermal imaging, video, um, and still photography to the standard that we were paying 10 times that amount for 10, 15 years ago. Right. You know, the smartphone is an incredibly powerful computer, but like all computers, it does uh, have some drawbacks. Well, the drawbacks tend to be the operators, don't they? I mean, yes, there are yeah, lots and lots. No, not necessarily because you have there to. Are, look because at this, you the, have to put the ghost app onto it. You have to load the ghost radar. Right, but you also have the the interference of the smartphone on other instruments as well, which is. Well, that's, uh, that can be easily mitigated because if, depending on what you're doing, for example, if you were using the magnetometer on its own to measure um, the electromagnetic field, then you don't want the. Um, cellular network on the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth side of the phone operating. So you can turn it into airplane mode. You can do other things with it. Um, and in fact, the USGS actually use that with the magnetometer. They, the phone has got a, a modification which allows it to self-turn on and off its data transmission system when it's making measurements. Mm -hmm. So um, it doesn't interfere with itself. But you're not going to interfere with, for example, uh, temperature reading. If you have an external probe attached to the smart device, the tablet or the phone, um, you will get, you can get incredibly accurate readings from the smartphone. And it's an incredibly useful tool. It's, it's a very powerful computer in your pocket. And like all computers, it's just a number crunching device. Depending on what you attach to it, um, you know, when you're, it depends what sensors you attach to it. Most people don't attach sensors, right? And most of these ghost the apps, ones. yeah, most of the ghost, ghost apps don't use the sensors at all. Um, because you know, they're they, really sensing anything. <laughs> sensing anything exactly. What they're doing, it, it's it's a presentation for entertainment purposes only. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of them, some of them actually use the motion sensors. So the accelerometers to know when they've been picked up or, right. or moved around, and then that that activates the the sort of the radar, or that activates the um, the voice response. Um, but I would I I would never dismiss using a smartphone, but I would always caution about using it wisely. Right, and like all pieces of equipment, it must yeah. be coordinated with any other equipment that's being used at the time. <coughs> exactly. So, anyways. Uh, all right, so we, we've kind of talked about that enough, and, and this all started, of course, was because we were talking about the Cork School. Cork school. <laughs> Maybe we should have Jackie Hines come on and go there, <laughs> send her out there as an investigative reporter to find out yeah. what's that going would be on. Like, that would be like you going to uh, Vermont hmm. or Providence. Is that far away? Yeah. Ah, there you go. Yeah, Ireland's quite a large place. Relatively speaking. Well, we, I mean, compared to the United States, <laughs> it's not. But, you know, compared to New England, I think Ireland would comfortably cover most of New England. Ah, oh, there you go. Fair enough. With, with some change. 
Right. So the other thing, you know, after the the uh, show last weekend, uh, we, we talked a little bit. Uh, you told me that you were now doing the the weather station for the Boy Scouts in, in the town. That's right. You were trying to get these readings, and uh, it, it just uh, irritated me so much what you were attempting to do in that you, you defeated the whole purpose of of what the the instrument was built for. So really? I, I just – yes, yes. It was like uh, – yeah, it, it just it just totally irritated me after the, the phone. I says, uh, but it was typical of your mindset, being of the person you are. Why did that irritate you that I was measuring? Uh, I'm intrigued. You you tempted to get a. I have no idea exactly what, exactly what you were attempting to measure, but you were not really you. You were, let's see. You were dismissing what the equipment was really built for and uh, attempting to get this general uh, no. readings of of, uh, of a certain area, which no, I think you were misunderstanding. Equipment. I think you, I think we were dealing with a language problem. Oh, a language problem. That's what it because was. Because what what I was saying is where the wind sensor is placed. I think this is the part you're referring to. Where the wind sensor is positioned. I can't get an accurate wind profile for the full 360 degrees because of the, the way the, the sensor is partially blocked by a building mm -hmm. to, the south, to the south of the sensor, meaning that for three points of the compass, the wind uh, measurements are accurate. For one point of the compass, it's Dude, in shadow. All, all of them are accurate. Well, they're not because you get lots of vortices being thrown off by the building, and if you watch, they're all accurate. You're, well, you're once again. This is the part that's irritating me: is that you're trying to make it do something that it's not supposed to do. No, no it's I'm doing to... its job. You just wanted to do something else. No, I'm wanting. If I if I were to relocate the wind sensor to the top of the roof, which is physically impossible, and therein lies the problem, I would have a no wind, wind vortex or wind shadow caused by the building. Right. And what I'm trying to do, because I live at the crest peak of the hill. And what you would actually be, be measuring would be, of course... The, the wind at the point of the sensor. It went at the top of the building, which Correct. is not atypical of anything. Well, well, it's typical... Other than the wind at the top of the building. Well, by that token, then, every weather forecast, every weather station must irritate you for the same reasons. Because no, the not at all, because I accept the data... what they're doing. They're giving you a general... Well, that's what I'm trying uh, to do. An, an but... No, you weren't. You were trying yes, to... Yes, I am. Well, I'm well, trying to give you... I'm trying to present the most accurate data that I can. On the top of your roof. Uh, well, for the... Yeah, what, no, for the village. Which... No, not really, because the village is down. The village has no. Uh, the village has the village has buildings. The village has trees. The village Correct. has everything. Correct. So once again, and we have to take a break. So, anyways, uh, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolek right here on Tojinet and Parrax Radio. And when we come back, Steve had brought this interesting thing up about the internet being haunted. And we'll talk about that when we come back. We'll be right back. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event? 
book or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International. With me, the man who can't understand how a wind sensor works, and Ron Cole, like the man who can. So before uh, I noticed that I got a, got a tweet on the uh, um, one of your tweets that you said the internet was haunted, and I I didn't, didn't say the on. internet was haunted. That was the title of the article I contributed to. Oh, you did. A, it was an American journalist um, was was it got in touch a little while ago, a week a week or two ago. They were writing an uh, an article, uh, and the article their article was entitled, and the the question was, um, is the internet haunted? Can the internet be haunted? Can ghosts use computers and the internet to communicate? Interesting. Interesting. If you read it. You'd have seen that in the first well, opening line. If you had read my article, then you would have been able to do it too. So, okay. anyways, moving right along. Um, so, what? So, what came of this article? What? What was the results? And um, well, of course, the article is available to read on the Ghost Chronicles International or Facebook page. Um, but essentially, what they were uh, inquiring is because. Um, with the progression of electronic voice phenomena through instrumental transcommunication, uh, is it likely or possible that ghosts could start turning to using computers and social media and email and text messaging in order to communicate with the living? Well, of course, the answer is not yes. Straightforward, is it? I mean, we do no, have. Isn't. That's the trick, and I was dying have, to see your answer. So that's. We do have examples of. Um, I mean, isn't what, isn't that what ITC is was really how it started? Basically, well, isn't that? What, a yeah, I mean, what you, what the article actually is is a condensed, a very condensed down version of a forty-five minute conversation and several email exchanges, um, which is. Sort of fairly typical of, of of the media because what they're looking for is lines and soundbites, yeah, sentences and soundbites. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, now, 
There is, a, there, is, there is a case, in fact, of uh, a computer being used, which took place in the 1990s. I think it's called the... Uh, it was written in a book called The Vertical Plane. It took place in Cheshire, England, where a computer, a ghost from the Tudor period, initially started to leave messages on the screen uh, of a computer. Oh, wow. Um, they were later... Uh, added to by another set of communicating spirits who claim to be from the future. Intriguing. Uh, So so there is an example of that, but essentially the the question being asked by the journalist was, is it it likely? um, And why would would electronic devices be used? And I responded by saying that, well, the reason that, that uh, in the 19th century and in the early 20th century, people turned to radio and recording medium um, to explore the possibility of spirit communication is that if you are looking to communicate with somebody, then you would naturally turn first to a communication device. The telephone, radio were both new technologies. They They are designed to communicate they are communication technologies unlike dousing rods and glasses on tables and all manner of other stuff that that was in use what you have is a for and and as i i said in the article as well um when seti were looking to see if intelligent life was out there they also turned to the electromagnetic spectrum to radio waves to see if there was any communications so it's not illogical that that uh, Edison speculated and that Tesla considered the possibility that radio might be, um, and as, as Edison said, if there is a spirit world and if they can communicate, then radio seems to be a likely place to start looking. And so um, that was the, the initial thrust of, of um, my point. And then we went a little further down into uh, electronic voice phenomena and um, how it's how it's used today and how that use today in haunted locations is different than it was done in the 60s and 70s um, by researchers who worked almost exclusively in uh, laboratories, uh, EVP laboratories or workshops or bedrooms, but not in haunted locations that that. That's very much a more recent phenomena. And I used the quote that I've used here on on, um, Ghost Chronicles, which is, um, you know, they said, why is electronic voice phenomena so intriguing? And I said, well, it is like crack cocaine to ghost hunters. It doesn't matter how skeptical you are. You You and I have both been in situations, Ron, where it doesn't matter how switched on we are and how alert we are to all of the possibilities to get carried away and carried along with the burbling and squawking and babbling of the radio because oh, there is this, and it it's not surprising when you when you've set up a spirit box in a in a during a, an investigation be that a group from parascience or a group of members of the public there is a kind of inevitability that people will get drawn into it and it is, as I said, like crack cocaine to ghost hunters. It's a highly addictive thing. So, um, and then they went on to, uh, to talk to Professor Chris French, who, of course, was dismissive of the whole thing, as one might imagine. 
<laughs> of course. <laughs> You've got to have your uh, naysayer. Well, I think Joe Nickel was busy that day. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think he was debunking uh, the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, really? Speaking of the Loch Ness Monster... Um, well, I, I'm, I'm looking at your article, and it's, it's a lot of interesting things in here. Oh, and uh, seeing you. Uh, I was just going to... Well, while you're looking at that, I was just going to give... Well, uh, Spirit Quest, a little push by saying at the weekend just gone, um, we had a family visit to uh, the Royal Mint, um, which is located about two hours' drive from here, where all of the coinage and uh, for the United Kingdom and 60 other countries worldwide is manufactured and is minted. Uh, and one of the purposes of going there was to collect some giveaways and goodies for spirit quest 2019 mm -hmm. so anyways in your article you say uh however within the paranormal circles the everyday ghost seems to, uh, a fan of electrical devices uh the answer for what for why that can be expl easily explained according to steve parsons uh, who is a member of blah, 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 blah. Theories and speculations consider that radios and telephones are already direct communication devices, uh -huh. which renders the possibility that if connections could take place, uh -huh. could is the key word there, those would be the most obvious and likely methods to be employed. So that's kind of an intriguing uh, sentence, uh, Mr. Parsons. Well, if I was looking for um, so, if, if I if, if there was an unknown, and I, I I go back to SETI, which is the next line. Um, if I were looking to communicate with an with another culture or civilization, then I would use a, a tool designed for communication. So I wouldn't on that, use on... a wine glass. I would use well, a radio or a telephone. Well, or... I mean, they might be more familiar with the wine. <laughs> <laughs> I know I would. <laughs> they might be, but, I mean, it is, it is logical to presume that um, if you are seeking to communicate uh, so, with someone of an equal... So reading that statement that you made for this article, mm -hmm. it would be, seems to me, that if we were to... Uh, put our efforts into any attempt to communicate with the spirit, then it would be in the telecommunications uh, realm. Uh, that would cease to be logical. So we, know, we really wouldn't need digital cameras or temperature sensors or any of that other things. Well, we it should depends just what, what concentrate. No, 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 no. I said the word there is specifically looking at communication because mm -hmm. I can I can study uh, wood wood beetles or squirrels, but I can't communicate with them. So I would use other tools to study phenomena. When 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 one is conducting an investigation, one isn't studying ghosts because we don't know what they are. What we're looking for are displacements and anomalies within our own environment so we are looking at why is the temperature varying what created that sound what created that movement what caused that event to take place because that's all we can measure now we're talking now about communication if i then want to assume 
that there is a uh, an intelligent entity um, that I w- you know that that I would try to reach out to and communicate with, then it would seem logical to use a device designed for communication, and which we know works as a communication device. Right. But that so doesn't the- mean to say you throw the baby out with the bathwater and. Uh, Suddenly, you know, to assume that the S because there's a problem with modern EVP experimentation. Um, in that, the ghost hunter takes his recorder or his spirit box into the haunted building. He then sw- he switches it on and sets it in, sets it working, and he then says in a loud, clear voice, "Is there anybody there? Do you wish to communicate with us?" And then he turns to the the device and he plays plays back uh, the last few minutes or seconds of the recording. Or in the case of a spirit box, he he listens acutely to what it's doing. Now, the problem is you've actually got two processes. You've got the spirit apparently using electromagnetic methods to communicate with a device, but the spirit can also hear you. <laughs> Which is air motion, non-electromagnetic communication. True, very true. So there's two problems there. There, there have been attempts, some EVP and ITC research. So well, well is, let's let's hold a second there. Right? So if the spirit can hear you, mm-hmm. but either the spirit neither has the will or no or ability to communicate with you uh, using ear thing uh, if if they don't reply audio well, no vocal cords how can they talk well that's what they say but we don't know that how do we know they don't have any vocal cords if they're exactly. full body see this they're is full the... body apparitions then their full body is a full body which means it probably has vocal cords in which case we well, see if it if it can hear you so when when you speak out loud um, mm-hmm. in a haunted building, you are your vocal cords are causing air to move. That air, uh, as a series of air vibrations, travels through through the space of the room, and the ghost spirit must be able to perceive them in some way. Now that would suggest it has a vibration sensing system called an eardrum. So if it's got an eardrum, it's probably got a vocal cord, as you say. So why can't it just talk to you? Exactly. Why, why does and, it? And mean? there are, although in all, in all fairness, there are examples of of uh, of uh, I don't know, say voices, uh, disembodied Anomalous voices, anomalous disembodied voices. Yes. Yeah. Thank are. you. Thank you very much. Right. Yes, there are, but they're they're quite rare. They are, you know, they're not they're not sort of everyday occurrences. But they're not right. EVPs. So maybe, well, that, well that, to me, that would make sense. According to uh, everybody, that there's like a million ghosts out there, and they're all trying to communicate, <laughs> and they're all trying to talk to us. But is, is that really the case? Is there uh, really a million ghosts running around, or, or is there the, the occasional that's really, you know, that's here for some reason or other? And, and those are the ones well, that... Like Marley. Like Marley's ghost came back to warn... Um... Right, exactly. Well, the thing is, you see, this is the problem, because when you get into one of these, and it is an endless circular argument, 
because there is no there is no breakout, there is no exit point from this conversation, which is the problem. Which is the problem because there is nothing, uh, there is no there is no evidence to break out of this circle because, uh, as I as as I said, well you know there's two mechanisms. The ghost must be using vibration sensing. Uh, in terms of physical vibration, vibration of air and matter, because it could have its ear against a piece of wood or a railway track. You know, there are other ways of hearing or perceiving sound. Mm -hmm. But it's unable to use the same method to communicate, mechanism to communicate with you. You then countered with, well, it might not want to or it might not have. And I said, well, it may may not have vocal cords. Well, how do you know? It hasn't got vocal cords. And this, you get on this merry-go-round Right. And there is no way off it because there is no evidence to, to, to say that any of this is correct or incorrect. Exactly. That's that's the problem. We we uh, so don't know what a spirit is. In, in re- I mean, we exactly. always say, oh, it's, it's it's the spirit. It's a it's a you know disembodied uh, uh, person. It's this. It's that. Yeah, but, but mediums we, will tell you that we they can do either that. prove it nor disprove it. In other words, no, we exactly. we can't disprove them either because we don't know what the hell they are. Exactly. And when you when you go in on an investigation with a psychic medium or a trance medium or any other form of medium. Um, and they say, oh, look, over in the corner, there is a headless figure or there is a shadow man or a slender man or a black eyed child or the black eyed peas or whatever. You have got if you look over there or you point your equipment there and there is nothing there, that doesn't mean to say there is nothing there. That means to say only that you cannot You're, detect anything there. Exactly. You can't record it. You can't capture but it. You equally, can't, what is it? it? Does, but equally, just it because they say, just yeah, just because they say so, it doesn't mean that there is anything there. I know. It's say so is 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 no basis for proof. Exactly. Now, if and it does happen very occasionally and very rarely, if somebody says, "I've just experienced something," and a piece of equipment verifies and validates that claim, then you have the subjective uh, account, and you have an objective verification of that, and that has, on very rare occasions, taken place, where an anomaly has been reported by a person or group of people. Yeah, but is that a ghost? You, no, you picked no, up something, no. but what is that something? Well, I, I, have, I didn't use the word ghost. I said anomaly. Right. Something anomalous has taken place that has been experienced by individuals and documented objectively by a piece of equipment. Right. And that's the what whole... That, what that anomaly is, is other than what it's we record or what we experience. Experience we really can't tell, right? No, but it does bring you a little closer to understanding the nature of the experience. So you can say, yes, absolutely, you did experience that, what you said. So I'll give you an example that that took place for us. We had a group of people sitting around a table. Uh, They were conducting a seance, um, repeating a a recreating an earlier seance. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, they were unaware of um, – they knew that we were using thermal video, thermal video, uh, video camera, but they right. didn't they, – they couldn't they, – they were doing what they were doing, and we were some distance away doing what we were doing, observing them. They didn't know what we could see. 
but we could hear um, obviously the recording what they were saying. Um, now, when they said the room had got dramatically colder, they said that you know it had gone icy cold, and uh, we could see exactly what they were reporting in that this cold um, uh, mass uh, was where they said it was and moved in the way that they described through the, through this group of people and then dispersed away from this group of people as they reported that it the, the sensation had lifted from them. So we were able to objectively verify what they were saying, that, you know, yes, indeed, the temperature um, did do something unexpected and anomalous. Right. Now... That proves, it doesn't prove it was a ghost, but what it does give some insight into is their experience. And we can verify that that did indeed take place. So we, so you can remove then uh, the explanation that so many skeptics might throw up is that, oh, well, there's lots of reasons why people might feel cold. There was a draft, there was this, there was that, there was fear, there was all manner of other. But we were able to, on that one occasion, demonstrate that it was an anomalous temperature um, variation. Uh-huh. And that's, that's as far as you can go, unfortunately. Or exactly. At the moment. At the moment unless should, you're... Should there be... Should there be a, a cons, uh, concerted effort to... Well, this would be interesting. Is... is to actually bring a ghost into a laboratory and whether you have to move the laboratory to where the ghost is or somehow there have been countless uh, attempts at it um if you With remember the results? Movie, uh, very mixed results you do, you do you recall the movie the entity yes uh where they did try to get the the ghost from the woman's uh, house into the laboratory and then freeze it with dry ice, blah, 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 blah. That's actually... The, f- the whole notion of it is Hollywood, but the basis of it is a factual case where they did try to relocate um, uh, an, an entity. Um, there have been other attempts to set up laboratories uh, and then, you know, within haunted locations or to replicate haunted locations... In order to, but uh, again, that we there has been no great. Uh, it's a bit concerted effort, though. Are we talking about you know setting oh, up for like a couple of days or setting up for, oh, for long, extended for period for times? For longer. In fact, you could argue that um, these these long term investigations, such as took place at Bee House, such as took place at Borley, you are moving the laboratory into the haunted location. Because you can't, you know, you can, you are taking control. So you are, in fact, turning the building or the haunted location, such as Enfield or Borley or Belekin House. Um, Lloyd Auerbach has done several where he has, you know, sort of taken control of a haunted location and moved a team of researchers and investigators into the, and taken control of, uh, to, to, as much as is as is practically possible to t- take control of the location, so in in effect turning the location into a laboratory. Intriguing. 
So, um, yeah, Lloyd is, uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Auerbacher's, uh, and other parapsychologists have, been, have certainly done those sort of, uh, or wherever, when the opportunity arises, and it doesn't arise very often. Okay, because, I mean, there isn't that much field work being done by parapsychologists. So, you know, even even the work that you talked about, no. Lloyd's, is, it has, you know, it's, it's relatively unknown. Only well, in, in reality, certain, only in certain only in certain circles. So, yeah. yeah. Well, the reality of it being is most parapsychologists won't do it because there's no funding. They they don't <laughs> want to risk their reputations. Nobody's gonna and you know if there's no funding, the science won't do it. True. Um, so. so it never gets done. And those few that have, um, you know, they they they've tended to be you know sort of one-offs or. Uh, very sort of badly uh, funded um, experiments, but it, when opportunity has arisen, and in fact, um, very you know periodically the opportunities do arise. It, but nowadays the cl- and the reason why we don't have Enfield and, and other locations is that there are there are some locations that would be um, perfect for such um, a long term investigation or research project right. to take place there, for, I think there are a lot of them that there are that there be. are but uh, the problem being now is those locations are not available for long-term research because every weekend they're full of ghost hunters so true and the location is <laughs> would you turn down easy money if people right. are giving you hundreds of dollars every weekend just to wander right. around well so, you know i Offhand, I was just thinking, you know, uh, uh, what's his name there? God, it just went blank on it. Oh, uh, John Zaffis. John Zaffis, of course, has this haunted museum, which supposedly has all kinds of ghost-attached objects and everything else. Would yeah. be an ideal location to do some serious study on on this phenomena, but uh, nobody has really done it. I mean, they've gone and done like a little investigation or something but yeah, it's it's just it's a one-off yeah it's because it's lucrative we've got a couple of haunted museums here in the uk now and um, mm-hmm. where they people have collected together articles that are, that are claimed to have got an association and, and yeah. are haunted and people go along and do investigations and it's exactly the same as going along to any other haunted house exactly you know, they and people pay money, and the the you know the museum makes or the the owner of the museum because it is a commercial museum. It's not a as we would understand a museum full of exhibits. It's a place where people pay to go and have a look at things. Right. You know they go along and the psychic sense what they sense, and people do their EVPs next to the haunted dolls and mirrors and photographs and bath bassinets, haunted uh, doorbells. Haunted doorbells, haunted pizza huts, you know, it's a commercial, and, and this is what, you know, this is where modern sort of popularity of the subject has killed the opportunity to uh, undertake long-term research. And if I had a haunted house, I would do exactly the same. Yeah, I suppose. Particularly, particularly if you've got a huge repair bill or a huge tax bill, or yeah, the route so needs changing. You know, you, no, nobody in their right mind would walk away from an easy revenue stream like that. So true. So, anyways, that was the uh, 
That was. That's well put to rights. And uh, I don't know, maybe it was spirits trying to communicate with us, but maybe it was the producer trying to tell us it's the end of the show. I'm not really sure at this time. Uh, but what's that, Steve? Means the same thing, doesn't it? Uh, probably. Anyways, anything you've got uh, you'd like to mention before we do say goodbye? Uh, no, it's a quiet week coming up. Um, books. And when is the book launch? Going. The book launch is March 23rd, so that's still got a ways off, and um, nothing really until then, and so a bit nearer the time. Yeah, very really good. A little far away. Yeah, and of course, uh, this September 27th, 28th, 29th, you will be returning to good old New England uh, for Spirit Quest and some other events we'll be doing here. With so, the content uh, with, with, yeah, with goodies from the Royal Mint. Yeah, there you go. So, so anyways, uh, also I'd like to mention we're running a special Blair Witch Ghost Hunt for a VZ, um, friends of VZ. So uh, check out the website, anyghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com, and that's for um, May, in May, so check that out. Anyways, there's the uh, tunes we got to say goodbye, so... Thank you for listening, everyone, and tune in next week. That's us for a week. Good night, God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law. Have you heard?